I want you to open the Word of God today. I want to teach for a little while this morning and bring you the good Word of God. It's a joy of our heart to open the supernatural, precious Word of God. So we open today to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Read a fairly lengthy passage. Today, I want to begin a, a series on the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus was the great master teacher. He was the great master preacher. When they uh, were told to go arrest Jesus, and they came back and they hadn't arrested him, what did they say? What did the soldiers say? No man ever spoke like that man. So Jesus is the master teacher that we're striving to, uh, to emulate him. And, of course, we never will perfectly. But, but he's our great teacher today. And he today teaches in these great parables. And really, a parable is just kind of a long analogy. Jesus saw the, the, the world that he lived in, and he used birds and trees and dirt and wind and waves and all kinds of things in nature. And today we're going to look at the parable of the sower. So I'm going to read a lengthy passage. This will be on your screen there. If you have a Bible, you can read along. It's great to open your Bible and know how to get around in the Word of God. But the parable of the sower today, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Then I want to read the interpretation, of course, that Jesus gives in verses 18 through 23. It's kind of lengthy. But, you know, the Word of God is so great, we need to read a lot, of, a lot of the Word. So here we go, the parable of the sower. That day Jesus went out of the house, and he was sitting by the sea. And a large crowd gathered to him, and he, he got into a boat, and he sat. And the crowd, the whole crowd, was standing on the beach. So get the setting. Here's Jesus. He's in a boat a little bit out from the shore. This, this massive crowd is on the seashore. And, and now Jesus is going to begin to speak. And I'm sure the water carried his voice and everyone could hear him. Here's what he said in verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, now here it is. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, this, he sowed. Some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where there was not much soil. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, they were scorched because they had no root. Talking about the seed, because they withered away. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. And that's what we want. God wants to yield a crop of righteousness, kingdom production in us. Notice the different, the different percentages. Some had a crop of a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now notice this, a phrase that Jesus often uses. He who has ears, let him hear. It's, care, it's important what you hear. It's important how you hear. And then after the crowds were dispersed, the disciples got with Jesus and said, Jesus, tell us, tell us about this story. What did it mean? And then he gives the interpretation. Hear then the parable of the sower. Who, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's the devil, that's Satan. He comes and he snatches away what has been sown in the heart. The one who's whom the seed is sown beside the road, and the one whom the seed was sown in the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He gets excited. Yet he has no firm root in himself. There's no real determination to serve God. There's no firm commitment. And notice it says, but it's only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arise because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns is the one who hears the word. But notice, the worries 
of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But notice verse 23. This is what we strive for. The one whom the seed was sown on the good soil. It's the man who hears the word. He understands it. He seeks for understanding, seeks to go deeper. And indeed, he bears fruit and brings forth, notice again, some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. And we say, Lord, just bless the reading of the Word of God. What an important parable of teaching this is today. So think about this this morning, this Sunday morning. Just think about on, on, on one Sunday on a 24-hour day all around the world, all of the time zones, think about how much preaching, how much teaching. Think about how many pastors are standing around uh, or standing in the pulpit and preaching the Word of God. Just think about in this time zone, in the mountain time zone, and in, in you know, all around the world, preaching. Think about how, many, how much Word of God goes forth in a 24-hour period just on a Sunday. Think about all the Sunday school classes, all the children that are being taught, all the, the small groups. Just think about people just one-on-one on the streets sharing the Word of God. And the question I have is this, where does all that teaching go? You know, it seems like of all the teaching and preaching and the Word of God that goes forth, sometimes we have to say little comes from it. So where does it go? Where does that go? question is, has the Word of God lost its power in those cases? And, and we would ask this, is there something wrong with the Word of God? And certainly we know the answer to that because the Word of God is active, it's powerful. And I want to remind you that Isaiah says that, that his Word, when it goes out, it will not come back empty. It will accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish. So where the Word of God goes and how people respond to the Word of God, this parable, the blessing of this parable helps us to understand those questions. It helps us to understand why people respond like they do. This parable helps us not to become discouraged when people don't respond like they want to, like we want them to. This is a tremendous parable. And actually, it's a basic parable. Because in Mark, Jesus says this, if you don't understand this parable, How can you understand any parables? So actually, this parable, this teaching of Jesus, is a very simple parable. There are three main features to this parable, and they're very simple. One, there's a seed, and it means something. Then there's a sower. He's sowing the seed, throwing it on the ground in that day, planting it. And then there is is the soils. So we have the seed, the sower, and the soils. And each of those, if you can understand those, then we can understand the teaching of Jesus. So let's take a moment and let's unpack this marvelous parable. Number one point is this. The seed is the Word of God. Think about that. The seed, the seed that Jesus gave here, the illustration, the analogy, the parable, the seed, what is the seed? The seed is this right here. The seed is the mighty and awesome Word of God. So what do we know about the seed? And what do we know about the Word of God? What does the Bible say about itself? Now, this to me is tremendous. What it says is, first of all, the Word of God is a living Word. This Word of God right here has life in it. Notice Peter says this. Peter said, for you are born again, not with corruptible seed or perishable, but imperishable. And then he says, through the living Word, the living Word that endures forever. This Word is tremendous. It's living 
Now think about this. All of the books that men have written, no matter how great they are, no matter how informative they are, no matter how helpful they are in the earthly realm, no matter how many volumes they have sold, every book that a man has written is a dead book. And you say, why is it a dead book? Because it cannot do what this book right here. It's not a dead book. Uh, It's a dead book. But God's Word is a living Word. Why? Because this book is the only book that can impart God's life. No book that's ever been written outside the Word of God can impart life. See, if you want to grow a plant, a living plant, you have to plant a living seed. And think about it. The Word of God may seem small. It may seem, you know, it's not this book right here is small compared to, you know, the Encyclopedia Britannica. It seems insignificant, but I want to promise you the Word of God is very, very powerful. All of us have walked down in front of our house or on a sidewalk, and we've seen a seed that had sprouted under the sidewalk and it pushed its way through that hard concrete. I want to tell you the Word of God is very, very powerful. And next to the Word of God, No other book stands a chance. The Bible says, again, the Word of God is living. The Word of God is active. The Word of God is powerful. So think about it. First of all, the seed is the Word of God, and the seed is alive. It's living. It's a living book. But secondly, what do we know about the Word of God being likened to a seed? Is that the seed produces fruit, and the fruit has the the power to, to produce more fruit. Now think about this. There's tremendous potential within a seed. You can plant a seed in the right soil, and you're going to get a harvest. If you plant the seed and the soil is right, there definitely will be a harvest. And this is tremendous when you think about the human heart. Do you realize that God's in the life-changing business? And do you realize that if we plant the seed in a heart, God knows people's hearts And right now, outside of this building and in our city and in the surrounding area, there are people, their hearts are crying out to God. The Lord knows. And if we can plant that seed in their heart, it's going to produce life. See, the seed and the soil were made for each other. And do you realize the seed of God's Word and the human heart were made for each other? People are putting all kinds of things in their hearts. They're they're, they're putting all kinds of things in their lives, and they're still empty. What they don't realize, they need the life giving seed of the Word of God to get the life they want. Tremendous power in a seed. Now, the Word of God, like a seed, produces certain kinds of fruits. What kind of fruits? What kind of produce does the Word of God produce? One of the things it does in Romans 1.13, I won't read that passage, but Romans 1.13 says it produces the winning of souls. Fruit is the winning of souls. The Word of God can produce a harvest. Paul wanted to go to those Roman Christians. He said, I want to harvest among you. And also, the Word of God can produce practical holiness in us. There's a quote that I wrote down here. This book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. No man ever dug into this Word without his life being changed. I want to tell you, this Word, if you'll fill your heart with the Word of God, it will transform. You'll be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. It produces righteousness when you plant the seed of the Word of God in your heart. Do you realize that if you're struggling with sin today, what you need is the Word of God. You need to, you need to cut off those things that are producing bad fruit, and you need to allow the Spirit of God to take His Word and produce righteousness in you. 
Another kind of spiritual fruit that the Word of God will produce is material things. Paul talked about in Romans 15, 27, he said, the Gentiles have received spiritual things, now they're giving material things. So in other words, the Spirit of God, the Word, blessed those new Christians and it wanted to open them up to want to give. And isn't that what Jesus does when he saves us and his word becomes a part of our life? We become generous. And then there is, of course, Christian character. Galatians talks about the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering, the gentleness and the meekness and the temperance. These are not natural attributes. These are not natural fruits. These are not what we are naturally and humanly. But when we're saved and we partake of the word of God, the spirit of God germinates the seed and all of a sudden, we, there's love there, and there's joy, and there's peace, and there's long-suffering. The Word of God can produce spiritual fruit. Colossians 1.10 talks about how the Word of God can produce good works. When I read the Word of God, and I see all the things that Jesus did, and I see the apostles, and they're going all throughout the Roman Empire, and they're planting churches, and they're helping missionaries, you know what it does? It makes me want to go do good. It makes me want to go change my world. That's what the Word of God. The Word of God can put a fire in your lifestyle. Put a fire in your life where you want to say, Lord, I want to be used like Paul. I want to be used like the Apostle John. I want to be a helper like this one and that one. I want to make a difference in my world. That's what the Word of God can do. See, the Word of God produces fruit. And then, of course, this is a book of praise. Let me just tell you, you begin to read this book right here. This book, you go from page to page and you, you read of the greatness of God and you read of the majesty of God and you read of the humility of Jesus. You read of the cross. You get over in the great book of the Revelation and you begin to see they're having praise services. You go back to the Old Testament in Exodus 15 and they came across the Red Sea and had a Miriam took her tambourine and the women of God and they danced and they praised. You get in the great book of Psalms which is the songbook of the Bible, and you want to praise the Lord. You want to worship God. Worship should be our natural default. If you'll get in this book, you'll want to praise Him, and you want to worship Him. These are some of the fruits of the Word of God, the planting of the seed of the Word of God. The Word of God, like seed, must be planted to do any good. The Word of God has got to be cultivated in us. It's got to be nurtured in us. It's got to be protected in us. See, It's not enough just to hear the Word. Jesus talked about receiving the Word. And and what He was talking about is not just listening with our natural ears, but He was talking about listening with the ears of our heart. He was talking about our response on the inside. Here in this parable, seven seven times Jesus uses the word hear. Do you realize that 19 times in Matthew 13, He uses the word hear? Hear Now notice again, he's not talking about the natural hearing of our natural ear, but he's talking about the ears of our heart. He's talking about the response of our heart to hear the Word of God. Take it in and let it bring obedience and let it come bring us under the Lordship of Christ. So number one, think about this. What is the seed? It's very simple. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is powerful. The seed has life in it. The seed is planted, and when it's planted, it produces fruit. It changes lives. It it forms us into the people that God wants us to be, a soul-winning people, a a good works people, a fruit of the Spirit people, a praising people. Listen, the Word of God can change your heart. It can change your life. Number one, 
the seed is the word of God. Number two is this. The sower is simply the one who shares the word of God. And Jesus was the first sower. He was the master sower. He was the master master teacher. He was the master storyteller. It would have been amazing just to listen to him. But when Jesus came, he shouldn't have had to be a sower. He should have been a reaper. But what happened is ancient Israel, the Jewish people of the day that, you know, Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him. When Jesus came, the word of God had been corrupted by the religious leaders. Now, this is very important. Now, think about it. The sower is the one who shares the word of God. Jewish, the Jewish leaders, what they had done is they'd taken the word of God and they'd added their traditions to it. So when Jesus comes speaking the pure word of God because he is the word, he is the living word and the written word we have. In the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was God. In other words, Jesus taught differently than any of the scribes and Pharisees. And the reason is he didn't need anyone, he didn't need any interpretation from anyone because he was the word. So when he spoke, it was completely authoritative because it was God speaking. The way the Pharisees and spiritual leaders would teach is they would say something like this. Well, Rabbi Shammah said this. Rabbi Hillel said this. Jesus came and he preached completely different. He says, this is what I say. Why? It's authoritative. And let me just have a little aside here. There's not enough authoritative preaching today. I hear so many conversations today. I hear so many people just giving nice little pastors, giving nice little talks not offending anyone, but I'm telling you, we need to speak authoritatively like Jesus did because this word is authoritative. But Jesus had to rescue the word of God from its corruption in in that day. And I think that process is repeated today. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Many places the word of God is being corrupted. Now, think about this. It takes faith for a person to sow a seed. Do you realize when Jesus sowed the seed, he sowed the seed primarily in 12 men. And as he sowed the seed of the Word of God in 12 men, it took faith. Because when Jesus went back to heaven, all that he had sown in those men's life. In other words, the entirety, the entire future of the church was in the hands of 12 men that he sowed the seed of the Word of God in. And you know what those men did? those men began to share it with others. In, in 2 Timothy 2.2, it says that they share the Word of God, who share it with others, who share it with others. And thank God, now listen, thank God they were faithful to share the seed and spread the seed. Thank God that those first apostles and disciples were faithful. Thank God the ones that they pass it on to were faithful. Thank God as it went on and on and on. Why? Because it reached you and me. If those people before us had not been faithful to scatter the seed in our hearts and in our families, where would we be today? We would be lost. We may be in a lost eternity. What does that tell us? That tells us it's very, very important that we as a church at Trinity Life, that we are faithful to keep sharing the seed, just like we depended on those before us to keep scattering the seed. People in our future of this church are are counting on us to share the seed of the Word of God. Now think about this. Anyone could share the seed. Anyone could be a sower. I'm a sower. I'm sowing right now. Sometimes Pastor Reese sows. Sometimes we have a missionary that sows. But you're a sower. As a church member, you're a sower. See, a sower 
It doesn't have to be a polished sermon. It could be a, just a, a conversation. It could be a, a note written to someone with a scripture on it. It can be a song. Some of our beautiful songs we sing that are filled with the Word of God. We are sowing the Word of God. But it's important that we understand this about the Word of God. Think about it. The seed is the Word. The sower is the one sowing the Word. Now listen. Pay attention. You cannot improve on the Word of God. It's important that we don't replace the Word of God with something else. Leviticus has a word for us. You say, what is it? Here's what it says. Leviticus 19, verse 19. It says, you shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed. And I know that's a practical application agriculturally for the ancient people. But there is a spiritual principle for us today. And that simply is this. That is this. We don't need to sow the Word of God and man's philosophies. We, we don't need, as a church, to sow the Word of God and our opinion. We don't need to sow the Word of God and something else. You cannot improve on this incredible, powerful, supernatural seed of the Word of God. We need the counsel that Timothy received. May we receive it today. Preach the Word. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the Word. Preach the word. Preach the word. You cannot, you cannot improve on the seed of the word of God. We don't need to change it. We don't need to tweak it. We don't need to add something to it. We certainly don't need to take anything from it. It's God's holy word. We need, to, we need to care for it reverently. We just need to proclaim it just like it is, line upon line, precept upon precept. We need to declare the word of God. So think about this today. Think about that there's three things that will make us effective sowers. Think about three things that, that we could do as a congregation to be effective in sharing the Word of God. I know I want to be more effective in sharing the Word of God from this pulpit or one-on-one on the streets. What are some things that will make us effective? Number one, we have to have personal concern for people. We're in the people business because Jesus has called us into the people business. You know, we're going to build a new building. We're going to get started very soon here. But it's not about brick and mortar. It's not that. That facility is nothing more than a tool. And one day it will burn with a fervent heat. We're not taking that to heaven with us. So it's not a building. It's about the people that we need to bring to the building. It's about the people that are broken and that need to be saved. The Bible says this in the Psalms. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Think about this. When's the last time we wept over lost souls? Have our hearts become so hard that we can think about lost people going out into eternity and we don't weep? Do you realize that Jesus wept? Do you realize that Jesus is called a man of sorrows? I don't think he wept all the time, but there were seasons of weeping when his heart was broken. He wept over Jerusalem. And guess what happened after he wept over Jerusalem? We know on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved. Maybe if we wept more, we would see a greater harvest. If we're going to be effective sharers of God's Word, we need to have personal concern. And another thing that we need to have is partnership. Nobody's in competition with one another. 
Churches are not supposed to be in competition with one another. People in the same church, we're, not, we're on the same team. Why? Because we are partners together. Paul said this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. They were partners. You know, there's so many different kinds of sharers of the Word of God. There's preachers, there's teachers, there's explainers, there's plenty of, there's, there's exhorters. There's plenty of things, there's plenty of variety in the Word of God. And every one of them are for us. Every one of them are for everyone. You may like this one or you may like that one, but you need to like all of them because they're all to bring us to maturity in our Lord Jesus Christ. You realize Jesus emphasized this partner principle in Samaria when, when the disciples came back and he was sharing the Word of God with the lady at the well there. When Jesus came back, he said this to them, Other men labored. In other words, he had labored with the lady. He had, he had showed, shared the seed the Word of God, and he says, others have entered into their labors. You know, when you know, I'm pastoring this church here, but Pastor Johnson pastored here many years and other pastors labored. I can tell you, I'm very much aware that I stand on the shoulders of every pastor that has helped me and blessed me. I want you to know that we're a product of those who shared the Word of God with us, those who prayed with us. We are partners together, and, and actually more than anything notice this Corinthians says we are God's fellow workers think about it we're all he said whose team are you on we're on God's team hallelujah we're all on God's team partnership personal concern but the third thing is is well let me just share a story actually with you about sowing and how powerful the sowing of the seed is the story is told of a, a missionary couple that went from Sweden and they went to join a, an American couple in Africa to try to reach a tribe. And the tribe was very hard. They labored for some time. Zero success. But one thing that would happen was that a little boy, a little black boy from this African tribe would come to the back door of the missionary's house every morning. And they would sell the missionary couple milk. And the missionary wife said, you know, in her heart, she said, I can't reach this tribe, we're praying, but nothing's happening. There's hardness. There's, we can't reach them. And so she said, but you know, I can, I can tell this little boy about Jesus. And every morning as she bought the milk, she would tell him about the cross. She would tell him about the love of God. She would tell him about Jesus Christ. And she would sow the seed of the Word of God in his little heart. Time went along, the, 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 the missionary couple uh, became pregnant and they had a little girl and what happened is not long after that the missionary wife died and it so rocked the missionary man's world that he really became very very bitter at God he actually turned his back on God he took his own daughter the Swedish couple took the man took the daughter gave it to the United, the American missionaries and left after his wife had died and went back to Sweden and for almost five decades he would not serve God he was so bitter at God taking his wife as time went along the American couple took the little girl and they moved back to the uh, United States she grew up in the Dakotas she grew up she went to school went to high school she met a man that she later married who became president of North Central Bible College the years go along they're getting older they went to a missionary conference in Europe. Now this is an absolutely incredible story. I have chills just telling it. 
They traveled to Europe, and they're in this huge conference, thousands of people, people from all over different parts of the world. And there was announced that there was a group of people, a constituency from an area of Africa. And this lady recognized it was the very area where she had grown up, where she had been born, rather, where her mom and dad were sweetest missionary couples, where her mom had died, where her dad had had left and gone back to Sweden. She found the group, and she asked the man, do you know where this town is? And he said, yes, that's our town. And the man said, let me tell you my story. I'm from an African tribe. And said our tribe was lost in darkness. And there was a missionary couple that came. And she said, the little boy, the man said, when I was a little boy, I would go to the back door of the missionary's house and I would sell them milk every morning. And the lady, the missionary wife, would tell me about Jesus. And finally, as I got older, that that word of the gospel that she shared with me, I gave my heart to the Lord. And now God has used me. And now there is a huge, thousands of people that are saved because of that missionary lady. In fact, she said, the, the gentleman said, she said, just last week we went to the grave of that missionary lady and we honored her and just said, thank you for bringing the gospel to us. And that lady that was talking to him said, that was my mother. That was my mother. The power of the Word of God is just incalculable. The incredible Word of God shared. The seed that was sown in a missionary boy or in a black boy from a missionary at a back door that seemed so insignificant, but yet it changed a whole area. Thousands became saved out of one seed that was sown. Don't ever underestimate the power of a witness the power of sharing the Word of God with your children, the power of a Sunday school class, the power of a witness at a department store, the power of sharing Christ with those that don't know Him. I'm telling you, the seed is the Word of God. The Word of God has life in it. The Word of God can change lives. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What do we need to be effective? We need to have personal concern. We need to have partnership. We're all sharing the Word of God. But also, we need patience. It's not, it's not often that you share the Word of God one time and someone gets saved. Sometimes, but James says, Therefore, brethren, be patient unto the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious fruit. I want you to know, if you'll keep sowing the seed, if you'll keep loving that person that you're sharing Jesus with, if you'll keep ministering to them, in time the harvest will come, and I believe that they will be saved. Do not give up. The great George Mueller who was the great apostle of prayer and apostle of faith, who had the orphanage in the 1800s, cared for thousands and thousands of orphans, but never solicited for a dime. He had seven friends that he only had on his prayer list that were lost. During his lifetime, all of those men that he prayed for to get saved got saved but one. At George Mueller's funeral... Now listen, George Mueller had shared Christ with these men that were lost. At George Mueller's funeral, he was, his casket, his dead body was being lowered down into the cold ground. And that seventh man standing at that graveside that George Mueller had shared the seed of the Word of God, that had prayed, that had been very patient, 
at that graveside, that seventh friend surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Think about it. This message is very simple today. This teaching is very simple. The seed is the Word of God. Secondly, those who share the Word, those who sow the seed are those who share the Word of God. And then lastly, really the main part of the parable, you know, we call it the parable of the sower, but it really could be more more accurately called the parable of the soil. Because the parable is about this, the soil. Thirdly, the soil represents the human heart, the condition, really the response of the human heart to the Word of God. Now, I know this, that soil has great potential. Soil can produce a jungle or a soil can produce a beautiful garden. Most of us or many of us have been to the Arboretum here in Dallas and I can, I can assure you that that Arboretum did not start that way. One day it was probably just a barren field. But I want you to know now it's a beautiful place. Why? Because it's been, it's been cultivated and it's a beautiful thing. So what do we have here as we conclude? The conclusion of this parable is the condition of the human heart as it responds to the Word of God. We have four hearts and we have four responses to the sower. The seed, you know, we're sowing and today, I'm, I'm a sower today. I'm sowing and preaching the Word of God. And what I want you to know is this. As I'm sowing the Word of God, just like Jesus said, there's four kinds of hearts. In other words, four kinds of responses. Today, as I share this, there, there's going to be four kinds of responses today. And anyone who teaches a Sunday school class or preaching or whatever... There's normally always going to be four responses. First of all, there's the hard-hearted person. And Jesus said it's seed sown on the path. Now, in that day, there were little worn walking paths around those fields. And, And inevitably, as the sower is sowing the seed, what happens is some of that seed falls on the hard soil. And sometimes we bring forth the Word of God, and it falls on a heart that's hard. It comes into a person. We share the Word of God that He wants to save them, but they don't understand it. They don't know the riches of God's grace. They don't see any value in it. Their heart's hardened toward God. And what the enemy does is he snatches away the Word of God. There's no response there. There's no benefit. It could save them, but the enemy steals the seed of the Word of God. And what needs to happen is we need to break up the fallow soil. We need to pray that those hearts would be softened. Hosea said, break up the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground. That's the hard heart. The next heart is the shallow heart. And that's the heart, what we have to know, that in Israel there was hard limestone right up under the surface in many places. And so there was a little bit of shallow dirt. Right up under that there was hard limestone. So when the seed was sown and there was a little bit of moisture, it would spring up very quickly, but it couldn't get down deep. It couldn't get down deep into the moisture. And it couldn't couldn't sustain moisture. And so what happened is it would wither quick, quickly, immediately. And there's many people that have shallow hearts. They respond and say, oh, yeah, I want to know Jesus. Yes, I want, I want the blessing of God. Oh, I love that. But then the sun comes up. The sun in this parable is about persecution. See, serving Jesus is not always easy. There's going to be some trials and storms. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What I want you to know is this, is that sprang up immediately, persecution, difficult came. 
and they just they it withered away. But I want you to know you don't have to wither away. And the reason is because Jesus will sustain us. I promise you. That's a person that's kind of the emotional here. Then there is the third heart, and that's the crowded heart. And this heart is someone that has received the word of God, but it's been received among thorns. And the thorns in the parable represent the riches and the cares of the world. And Luke says it very well. It chokes. I mean, it started to grow, and about the time it started to go, spiritual fruit began to come forward. All of a sudden, the weeds outdid the good. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to, to the weeds to begin to choke out prayer, to choke out holy living, to choke out a desire to go to God's house, to choke out our love for God. And all of a sudden, we're turned away and we're, we're involved in this world and we're involved in secular things and we're worried about the house payment and we're worried about the insurance payment and we're worried about the job and we're worried about all these things. And all of a sudden, spiritual life is completely choked out. And that's what the enemy wants to do. But as I conclude, the, the soil that we're striving for is the fourth soil. That's the, the good soil. And the good soil is that soil that, it, that the person hears the Word of God. They embrace the Word of God. They persevere in the Word of God. Luke has it very well. They endure in the Word of God. Storms come. They keep holding to Jesus. They keep holding to His Word. And what do they do? They produce fruit. Some 100, some 60, some 30, different levels. But they're producing for God. And I want to tell you this, if you're 30, you can get to 60. And if you're 60, strive to get to 100. Strive for more of the Lord. And that's the good heart. The good heart is a yielded heart. The good heart's a tender heart. The good heart's a heart that loves Jesus. The good heart is becoming more clean. The good heart's responsive to the Holy Spirit. The good heart is, is pulling, oh, there's a weed. I'm pulling it out there. I don't want that in my life. The, the good heart is a person that's growing and being sanctified daily, and they're becoming better and stronger in the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I conclude this teaching on the sower, we have an illustration of this. And I've, I've referred to it in our opening today, and I also referred to it in this message. And it's the Jesus went to a well one day in Samaria. And we have an illustration of all four hearts. We see the progress of this lady going from a hard heart, going all the way to a good heart and being saved. So we don't give up when we share the Word of God. What is it? And you remember John 4. Jesus went to the well. He was there. He asked the lady for a drink. And then the first thing we see of her response is that she was hard-hearted. She was prejudiced. She said, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. That's a hard heart. Totally resistant. Why, why are you, Jesus, you itinerant preacher, you Jewish person, why are you talking to me? We don't have anything to do with, with each other. There was a hardness. There was a wall there. But she went from a hard heart to a shallow heart. She, when he began to talk to her about living water, she said, oh, sir, give me this water. Immediately, it begins to spring up. That's that emotional here. Yes, I don't want to have to come back here in the heat. She didn't really understand it. It was shallow. It was immediate. It was emotional, but it was shallow. Then, then there was the cluttered heart. As Jesus continues to witness to her, she begins to get sidetracked and cluttered with religion. Jerusalem is where you worship. We worship here. And it, this was a cluttered heart. She said she argued with Jesus about the place of worship. But then finally, this seed sprouted into the good soil when she said 
Messiah is coming. We know Messiah is coming. And then all of a sudden he said, I know that it's coming. And then he said, I who speak to you am he. And he ministered to her. She gave her heart to Jesus. Do you see the process of how her heart was changed? And then the scripture says that she went in the city and said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And guess what? There was a great revival because Jesus sowed the seed of the word of God. Think about this. The seed is the word of God. The sower is the one who shares the word. The soil represents the responses of people to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. As I conclude, my prayer today for you is this, that we would yield and respond and obey the word of God. Why don't we pray? about that today our father and our god how grateful we are today for this parable a simple but yet extraordinary parable lord i'm so thankful for the power of the awesome word of god i ask you today that in the name of jesus that every heart would be transformed we pray that the hard heart the fallow ground would be broken up and people would become soft lord that emotional uncommitted person would become deeper in you and those that have clutter in their lives would be cleansed and determined to get that out Lord, those that have the good soil, they may be 30, but Lord, let them go to 60. They may be 60. Let them go to 100% in fruitfulness. I ask your blessing on our Trinity Life family today in Jesus' precious name. I want to thank you for joining us today for worship, and I want to give you the blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We ask it. Jesus' name. I love you, church. I'll see you soon.